It is a beautiful Monday morning. That's not a good start, is it, Joel? No, no. Let's say it like this. Try and apply that theory to any other industry in the world. It's a scam. I was betting like 70, 80k. This is the Trademade Sports Betting Podcast, helping you beat the bookmakers. G'day everyone, welcome to episode 175 of the Trademate Sports Betting Podcast. I'm back once again with a monologue podcast, being my lazy self and not booking guests and you know getting new exciting people on to chat anything sports betting with. I'm being quite lazy at the moment, quite busy with a few things. Um, so I thought I'd you know pop out another one of these ones. First time listeners, basically you know, normally we've got a guest on the podcast, but um, once again today, I'm just going to do a little short podcast by myself, kind of talking about a topic in sports betting that's come to my mind lately or um, or something that I've, you know, maybe been wanting to talk about for quite a while. So um, if you like the, the content, let me know. If you don't, let me know. It's always good to get some feedback, but um, at least this allows me to get you guys something out semi-regularly on the podcast. But today I wanted to talk about um, some of the mistakes that I I continually make in sports betting. Um, now, like sometimes I get a little bit too embarrassed to, to highlight some of the mistakes that I that I still make to these days, just because you know it's supposed to be known as a you know, you think about a professional sports better, you don't think of someone that's making negative EV bets or making mistakes all the time. But, um, you know, I'm only a couple of years into this. And of course, I'm going to make mistakes. And I'm sure, you know, guys that have been doing this for 10, 20 years still make mistakes. And this is something that I've been able to remove most of the mistakes from my game. But I would say there's two common ones that always pop up that I either accidentally continue to make these mistakes or I almost purposefully make them. I'm aware of what I'm doing, but I just can't. I've got a voice in my head, you know, saying that this time, this is not, this is not a mistake this time. This is a, you're doing the right thing this time. So I'll get into them. Um, but I think in general, hopefully this is just a, a good a good thing for people to listen to um, people that I think these are maybe two reasonably common mistakes that people can make um, and to know that like you know sometimes it's it's actually quite hard to notice your mistakes it takes quite a while and I would say you know these two mistakes I'm going to go through today have actually taken me um, probably it probably took me a year to actually notice them and um, that they were happening regularly and to be conscious of them. So now when I go forward, I'm actually really conscious of them. So when I'm about to place a bet, when I think I'm about to, I actually think of these mistakes that I've made in the past. And I guess it's just, you know, repetition of, you know, maybe you make a mis- this mistake twice, you don't notice it, still don't notice it after five times, but after a while you maybe start to, you know, pick up on common themes if you're betting in which bets are seemingly losing more often than not. So, all right, first mistake, um, FOMO. I think I've talked about this a little bit before, but um, for those who don't know, FOMO stands for fear of missing out. So, I don't know, maybe 
you've done, in, in my case, for guys, for people who don't know, I spend most of my week handicapping the UFC or, you know, mixed martial arts. And, you know, maybe you come up with a price, let's just say this weekend, for example, random fight, uh, Sandhagen versus Vera. Let's just say I made Sandhagen a, uh, I, I think he would be value at like uh, 1.65 or something. I think he's like 1.6 at the moment in the market, if I'm not wrong. So let's just say I said at 1.65, I'll bet Corey Sandhagen. But now he sits at, I think about 1.6. So it's pretty close to my number, but still to me, it's not plus EV on the numbers I'd done before. It's probably not a great example because I would never I would never really do this, but um, it's kind of, I guess, throughout the week, maybe you just think about it more and more and you're like, oh, maybe his number should be lower. And you're kind of talking yourself into betting this guy because you're very close. Maybe it's better if I was saying, you know, Corey Sanhagen should be one point, uh, I bet him at 1.65 and he's at 1.64, let's say, or 1.63. So he's bloody close to your number, but he's still not there. Um, but you kind of start talking yourself into, oh, I'll be so angry if I, if, if he wins and I, you know, and I didn't bet him, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Maybe someone, maybe you did make him 1.65 and he is 1.65, and then you talk to someone else or listen to someone talk about it, like, oh, I didn't think of that maybe I make him 1.7 now and then you're like oh but I made him 1.65 before now I want to bet him yeah I guess there's there's various examples of of FOMO and I guess what I'm trying to build up here is a, a case where you're not 100% sure about placing a bet on something and you're thinking you know maybe you're 99% there maybe you're 95% there but you're just thinking there's something in the back of my mind that really has got me hesitant on whether this is value or not and whether this is a good long-term investment for me. Um, and it's those cases where I believe unless you're 100% about something, there's no doubt in your mind that the number that you've got come to is correct or, you know, obviously you're not going to be perfectly correct all the time but you believe in that number and you've got great reasoning behind you and there's nothing thinking, oh, maybe it should be a little bit higher. Um, there's, there's just don't place the bet because there will always be another bet. I don't know about other, other people in the industry, but I've never had a problem with turnover. That's never been an issue for me. And even if you do have an issue with turnover, you are much better not placing that bet maybe it's just one bet per week that you get you know you're on the edge about you're much better not placing that bet because if it is negative ev it's going to take away from your you know profitability and even if it is profitable there are plenty more plus ev bets out there you really aren't impacting you'd rather you'd rather not take that bet even if it's, it might be plus EV, but maybe it's bloody marginal. So maybe it's a couple percent edge and, you know, maybe that's just not even worth it for you. So from my experience, 
if you are placing a bet because you're, you know, you're just like, oh, I'll be so angry if this wins and I haven't bet it. It's a terrible, terrible reasoning for placing that bet. And there is also a bias involved here too because you're only going to remember the ones that you didn't bet and they won. The ones that you were thinking of betting but you didn't let FOMO take over you and you didn't bet it, they also they also lose those bets. They work out to be good decisions for you. So it works both ways. Yes, you'll have some that you're like, oh, you know, I'm not going to place it and, it and it wins. And there'll also be ones that you say, I'm not going to place it and it loses. it. So it works both ways. But I think there's a, you know, there's a cognitive bias there that you will only remember the ones that you, you know, that you didn't, that you didn't place the one. Whereas it does go both ways and probably in the long term, if you're not sure about something, you know, most likely, at least in my cases, probably negative EV and you make, you're making good long-term decisions. So um, two things with FOMO for me that helped me get over it and, and, and not place the bet is that one, there'll always be another bet. And if you place the bet and if you don't place the bet, sorry, and it wins, you just keep in your mind that, yeah, okay, that one might have won. But if I have this conversation with myself every week about one bet in the long term, not placing that bet is going to be profitable for me. Um, mistake number two is, um, I'd say probably my biggest mistake that I always make is, um, is the odds are too good to be true. So, you know, let's just say I've handicapped a UFC fight. I've come back thinking, bloody hell, this is a 50, 50 fight. Maybe this guy could be a $1.95 or a, or a one, 1 1.9 kind of odds, but this is pretty bloody close to evens. And then I, um, I go and look at the odds and a fight is 2.75 on one side or 3.0 on one side. And you're just like, wow, that is humongous value. Um, and that is not even close to what my odds are for this, the way I handicap the fight. And in these cases, there is a extremely strong possibility that you are missing something. So, I mean, for example, maybe like mistakes I've made in the past with, with betting on the UFC, for example, I would say maybe I hadn't thought this guy's, you know, one guy's getting a lot older, he's potentially declining in his career, whereas the other guy might be quite young and he's going up. The skills might be the exact same, but potentially since their last fights, they've made declines and one guy's made improvements. Um, that's just an example of something that I might have forgotten in the past. Um, or you can also look at the fights to... Um, uh, what's the best way to put it? Skill for skill kind of thing. So you could you could potentially say that this guy's a better striker. He's also the better wrestler. He's also the better grappler. Um, but then you match that up with the other guy 
the other guy's got better cardio and he mixes everything together, all the martial arts a lot better, you know, and potentially I've just looked at the three, you know, main components of a fighter and thought, well, he's better everywhere. He should be favorite, but maybe the cardio on the other side is just so good or the way the guy on the other hand, you know, mixes everything together is so good that he should be favorite. Just things like this. I'm not saying that I succumb to these issues anymore in terms of handicapping, but cons- I do have have situations, probably less more than before, but at least, you know, this time last year, I'd have so many times where I'm like putting out a tip to my group and saying, all right, I can see this guy's odds are three, so I'm going to obviously tip him out at 3.0. What do I put the minimum odds at? Because I'm sitting here thinking, I would bet this guy 2.2 if I'd turned over and seen it was 2.2 the first time we looked. But now that I'm missing something, or now that you know there's a big discrepancy in the odds, um, it's kind of got me, you know, stumbled a little bit. So, but what I would say is that sometimes odds can be off by that much. And I wouldn't say that they're going to be off by that much in liquid markets. You know, for example, in the, um, let's just say an example that most people can um, can understand, the Premier League, let's just say. Um, if you're looking at Premier League handicaps, over-unders, uh, 1x2 markets, then you're going, wow. Arsenal are at 1.5 this weekend. Far out. I reckon they should be about 1.25. There is, you are 100% missing something. 100% missing something because a market that liquid, and even in these UFC kind of markets too, you know, limits of two to 5,000 euros, this kind of limits um, on, on, the, on the weeks of the fight. They're, they're bloody, they're pretty efficient too. So if you're getting gaps of this size, you are 100% missing missing something. And going back through my results, I've noticed that going through the bets in money line markets, um, where I have, uh, you know, lost lots of bets, it's always on these fighters where they were not like it wasn't like I was betting on a guy that was 2.5 and I thought his perceived value was 2.2, 2.25, 2.3. I I could see there was a high correlation of bets of the ones that I was losing that were ones where I had huge discrepancies in my number where I potentially made a guy a favorite or close to a 50-55 and here am I betting on him at 2.75. Those discrepancies just do not happen in in liquid markets, mildly liquid markets. They just they really don't happen. So you're missing something, and once again, you're better off leaving that, I believe, um, or just trying to research wait what you could have missed. Um, the only thing I would say about this, though, on the other hand, is. I've also experienced this in in prop markets with the UFC where my number, I mean, a great example for me was uh, a fight two, three weeks ago between Cody Garbrandt and Trevin Jones. I thought Cody Garbrandt by decision should have been like 2.5, 
I believe from memory, um, true odds, and he was as high as 6.5 in some places. Um, you know, maybe I didn't factor in everything into my pricing there, but it was on reflection watching the fight, it was one of the easier bets I've ever seen win in my life. Like it was pretty clear that the true odds on that were a lot closer to 2.5 than they were to 6. Um, so this is just another example of a prop market in comparison to a money line market. You know, there's a lot more effort, a lot more people going into the number of the money line than they are going into the prop bet. So if you are experiencing huge discrepancies in numbers and it's in a prop market, then there is a lot bigger chance in that scenario that the odds aren't too good to be true and that you're, you could be correct. And once again, I'll go through my numbers of all the times I've had huge discrepancies like that in terms of my pricing. Um, I'm not saying that all the time that the odds aren't too good to be true because sometimes they will be and you've missed something, but most likely in those scenarios where you're, you know, a prop market in comparison to a money line market, there's a bigger chance that you've missed something um, in the money line markets compared to a prop market. So, um, yeah, and, and, I, and like I said before, going through my results, I can back that up with comparing my money line bets, I can go through and look and see where wow, I'm losing a lot of those, I'm losing money on those bets where there was a huge discrepancy in my odds compared to the bookies odds. And then I go through and look at the same thing for my prop market bets and where I had huge discrepancies. I'm like, wow, I've actually made a lot of money on those kind of markets. So um, yeah, hopefully overall this has helped you guys out. Just two examples of yeah, FOMO and odds being too good to be true and how you guys can use those mistakes that I make, not as much anymore, but I still have to probably, you know, once every three, four weeks, I have to fight myself on one of these scenarios and think, wow, should I place this bet? Should I not? What have I missed? Etc. Etc. So hopefully you guys can take something from this and uh, improve your sports betting. Thanks for listening, guys. Feedback is great as always. Thanks to those who have been reaching out and giving some feedback. Uh, Always great to hear that people are enjoying the podcast. So, um, yeah, hopefully I'll be back soon with some more podcasts. Cheers, guys.